Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Into the Fog, episode two, a weekly conversational Dead by Daylight podcast featuring myself, running man, full-time Twitch streamer, full-time killer main on Twitch, uh, with my lovely co-host, Dan in a hurry. Introduce yourself, Dan. Dan, back at it again with another good-ass podcast with Dowsy as well. Yo, Dowsy, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Because Dan didn't even tell. Literally, Dan just decided not to tell us he's a survivor main, not to tell us he's a full-time content creator, not to tell us that he is the excellence of execution at the shack. But anyways, Dowsy, would you like to talk about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me here. My name is Dowsy. I'm an educational Dead by Daylight killer main, play a decent amount of survivor. Dan never believed that I played Survivor when uh, we first played Swift together. And then he was like, oh my God, Dalsy actually plays Survivor as well. Ooh. Who would have thought? Dude, that's kind of weird, Champ. I mean, maybe he didn't ever watch the stream because I've been uh, following Dalsy. I've been following Dalsy for a long time and I've seen both your your killer and your Survivor gameplay. And well before I ever came out of my shell and became a world famous, millions of dedicated fans podcaster, um, I knew that I was going to want to have Dalsy on an episode because this man has got... A galaxy brain to challenge the Milky Way, right? That's good. That's good, right? That's good. That's good. I'll put that on Bayless's card, and I'll I'll make sure to put your signature underneath it. No, no credit. I won't accept. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, we basically this podcast we sit down, um, myself and Dan, and we host a guest. We talk about what's going on in our favorite game, Dead by Daylight. Um, we have a unique perspective, being that I am a heavily killer favored player he's dan's a, a survivor player um dowsy actually is i feel like you're primarily a killer player right like you're a you're a killer main but you play both sides kind of like myself yeah like if someone had to add up the hours i put into either role then killer is definitely on top um but i definitely play like a, a lot of a lot of survivor um anytime that i'm not making content for dead by daylight but i'm playing dead by daylight that's all survivor so um, it's kind of like the the hidden hidden secret power of my uh, my DVD game is the survivor side of it. The funny thing is how like basically we're the same player, only you're good at the game. Like I do the same thing. Like I play killer primarily on con- like on stream, but like off stream, um, I mostly play survivor. Every once in a while, I'll take you know the the breaks to play survivor on stream just to kind of catch a break. When I start to when the tilt starts to rise, we talked about this before the show started. We, when the tilt starts to rise, sometimes it's nice to just play survivor and. Uh, but we'll get into some stuff like that later on. We'll talk more. Um, so basically, the rundown for the episode today, uh, we're going to talk about the new MMR system that was announced this week by Behavior, um, which is going to be focusing on taking rank out of the spotlight and using a hidden matchmaker rating to try to make more balanced games, more fair games. But And again, we'll have a lot to talk about here. Um, we're going to discuss the concept of DBD as an eSport. Um, this is a conversation piece that tends to be very divisive. You've got your strict, it'll never work. You've got your strict, it's going to totally work. And then you got your people that are kind of in between like, well, I can see it working, but it needs to be this, that, and the other needs to happen. Uh, we'll talk about that, which we're very fortunate to have Dowsy on the episode this week as he is a uh, he's a shoutcaster by trade. He is very, very high IQ esports person, um, which is, is, is nice to have as uh, Dan and I have a collective experience in esports of potato. Right, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've played a game or two, but yeah, pretty much. You played a game or two? I mean, I, I know, I mean, I guess you could, technically you could count the Running Dan Grand Slam as an esport. What place did you get in that, Dan? Top five. 
Top five? five? Yes. Congrats, yeah. Dan. That's, Top that's five. pretty good. That's beautiful. Good. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm sure you can put that on your uh put that on your resume immediately. All right. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss today, like a for a specific topic, is the topic of VPNs in DVD and what they mean to the quality of the dedicated servers, the quality of the match in a dedicated server environment. Sorry, that was a really bad sentence. I am not a professional talker, except that I sort of am a professional talker. So maybe I should walk that one back. Uh, but no, so basically the VPNs, um, what their effect is on um, on matches in general. Dan, I feel like is going to have a lot of things to say on this topic. Dan, would you like to, would you like to just, on a scale of one to 69, how upsetty spaghetti do you get over VPNs in Dead by Daylight? Honestly, I get very upset about it. And I feel like people are doing it more and more. And it's kind of weird to me. Like, I, I first started noticing it, like, like a, just a little bit at first. But as of late, I don't, I don't know why. It's just, it's been appearing maybe, I don't know, it's because I'm aware of it. But every time it ends up being like a, a really like laggy or delay match, I'll check their profile and it'll, it'll either be private or like, like it'll be like from across seas. Okay, yeah. So we'll get into that t- that subject soon, but yeah, I, I would uh, I would tend to agree with what you're saying. And then of course we'll have Dowsy. Now, if you guys aren't aware, Dowsy is um, is an Australian who hails from the UK, so he's got um, a completely different like player based demographic style. Like he plays in a whole. Di- he's here. It's like we're recording this in the evening for us, and it's like the literal middle of the night for Dowsy right now. So uh, hats off to this man for being willing to uh, sacrifice sleep to educate a couple of young plebeians. But uh, I don't. I don't think the VPN issue is as pronounced in his region. But we'll still be very interested to hear his uh, his take on the whole situation. So okay. So starters for starters, the new MMR system. I've got the I've got the um, status update, like the forum post pulled up here. We can talk a little bit about the new MMR system. Dowsy, would you like to take point on this real quick? Yeah. So basically, behavior have three concerns when it comes to matchmaking how long it takes to find a game um, how fair that game is as far as your opponent's skill your teammates skill levels and then your actual ping to the server Um, and that's like almost a triangle is the way they they put it out and they need to find a a sweet spot for all three of those issues Um, and they feel that currently the good old rank one pip system that we have in the game just doesn't quite cut it I know last week Alex basically said that instead of a, a white to red system, we need a white all the way through the rainbow system to to make uh, Dead by Daylight matchmaking work. Well, that's essentially what Behavior are implementing with a hidden matchmaking rating. Uh, so uh, that will be a number assigned to each player. Um, we don't know how that number is going to be generated yet. That's kind of the concerning uh, facet I think for most people um, but the idea is that that number will go up and down depending on how well or how poorly you perform and then you'll be matched with people of a very similar number to you uh, to make sure that your matches are always about as equal skill leveled as possible okay so just right out of the gate Dan what do you think your number is going to be honestly I feel like it's definitely going to be in the top one percent like Probably like I don't know, sixty nine, sixty nine, dude. Probably around there. So top like. the top one percent of the player base. You, yeah, you, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I was thinking the same thing, um, you know, about myself, but 
I mean, Dowsey, if you guys have seen him play, like I feel like he'll probably be somewhere in the 50th 50, 50, like percentile, somewhere in the middle. He's pretty, 50% top. He's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. decent, pretty <laughs> decent guy. No, all joking aside, yeah. all joking aside, guys, if you don't my, know, go ahead. You got something? Sorry. My role in Discord is bad at uh, Dead by Daylight. So yeah, see, but that's the thing. Actually be the lower, lower 50th percentile. I feel yeah. like self-deprecation is a lot like... Well, I never mind. I almost made a really un- uncool joke. Self-deprecation is big in Dead by Daylight and big in in like content, Twitch and, and otherwise. Uh, but Dowsy is being very humble. I honestly see Dowsy as like a top one, top three percent kind of player. And like I said, he's an educational. When you're when you market yourself as an educational player, um, you've got a lot of confidence in your ability to play the game. And this man like delivers on that. And I've learned a lot from watching him. Uh, what I will say is that Dowsy, as an educational content creator, um, is somebody that has helped me because like, I feel like your content is angled to help somebody who may or may not be like an elite player. Like you, you kind of like, you kind of like cover all your bases in terms of like, like the stuff that's covered. I kind of feel like I got off on a tangent here and mostly it was just a fluff dowsy up real quick. But I will say that like, while being very like consumable for somebody that's like a mid tier to upper mid tier player, um, he's definitely amongst the top percentile of at least killer players um, that I, that I've seen. So um, I see myself honestly joking, like all joking aside, more of like the true talent, like rank six to rank eight. Like if rank, if the ranking system actually was indicative of skill, I'd see myself somewhere in like the rank six, rank eight area. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do we want to like, what do we think? Dan, like Dan would be, I would love to hear your take on this. Like, what do you actually think about an MMR system relative to the system we have now in terms of matchmaking? I feel like it's going to be amazing. I feel like it's going to be a good change. Uh, you have a lot of uh, survivors that want to meme. They want to not really do gens or they want to use, you know, they want to use plunders. They want to use ace in the hole. They, there's so many things they want to do other than actually play the game. And I think that MMR is going to reflect that. And it's going to be really good for how fast they get games and where they are as a whole. And say say killers, right? Say they're, in the, they're the same ranking as them. They, they just want to like dumpster them. They want to 4K them. Those guys are just going to rise up fast. I feel like in a if it works the way I think it's going to work, all the killers that want to win in 4K versus all the survivors that actually want to complete gens should ultimately be together and be competitive with each other. And the people that don't want to uh, play the game as seriously shouldn't be. And it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, that definitely sounds like your your perfect world scenario. Um, and I think that really it's going to come down to what they actually like consider when it comes to the MMR score. And that is what I've heard a lot of like pushback on being a problem is that like the intangible things in dead by daylight are really what set aside a good player from a great player from an amazing player. And, you know, it's like the rank system tries to perfectly encapsulate what a good game is, but I mean, I can... I can speak from personal experience that uh, it can be very frustrating to feel like you played a really good game and end up entity displeased or, you know, brutal killer and then play a game where you feel like you maybe were at 40 or 50% and you end up pipping in the game or even two pipping in the game. Like, I don't know. just, there are frustrations and there are inconsistencies of the current rank system. I'm hoping that the MMR system alleviates some of those problems. My thing is, and I'm looking forward again to hearing what, what Dowsy has to say on the subject, because again, you're, you play in like a tier of the game that I don't think I exist in, but in my tier of the game, what my hope for is that this system is very broad and kind of 
puts everybody closer together than farther apart, if that makes sense. Like, I was all in favor of them just doing away with ranks. Just opening matchmaking. Get us games as quickly as possible. It's not a serious competitive game uh, to me. And so get us lobbies. Get us lobbies as fast as possible. And if people are really concerned that their teammates aren't going to be up to snuff, that's why they have uh, the Survival Friends as an option. If, you don't, if you're worried your teammates are not going to be good, start making some friends. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so I my biggest concern comes down to how is the is the MMR going to rate a performance? And are we going to end up in the same problem we have now where the bulk of people's MMRs are going to fall somewhere in the green-purple range and people that play the game at what the game thinks is a high MMR level are going to end up being so scarce that we're going to have matchmaking issues? You'll get punished for playing too well. If you play too good... Then all of a sudden your matchmaker is going to is going to have a hard time finding people for you to play. Uh, Dazzy, would you like to give us your unique take on this scenario? Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about there is kind of the Apex Legends problem of uh, hidden matchmaking rating, which is that in Apex Legends, the entire lobby or 64 players in the lobby uh, are there based on their matchmaking rating. And it's not a case of mixing a lobby with some good players, some bad players. It's all similar matchmaking rating, which means every game is really competitive when you're lower to mid to even good ranks. But once you start hitting that upper uh, that top percentile of, of playership, pretty much every game becomes the world championship of legal, uh, of Apex Legends, right? Uh, which people don't necessarily want to do when they're playing uh, for fun. Um, and so it can be a, a really tricky one because uh, I, I think you talked about this actually, uh, Running Man, uh, Doug, previously on the podcast that you know games like Fortnite and Apex Legends are so much more fun when you have a fighting chance to actually make it into the the, the final circles of the game and feel like you have a chance to win it. Um, and that matchmaking ratings are really good for the majority of the player base. Um, and I think for Dead by Daylight, this is an excellent move because it will make it so that anyone who's trying to get into the game or anyone who just enjoys playing on a Friday night with friends um, is going to potentially be matched with killers or survivors that that match that play style. Um, it does become a bit of a concern for people like myself who you know stream Dead by Daylight for you know a good twenty plus hours a week playing at a pretty high level. Uh, what does that mean for my day-to-day -day, uh, playing the game? And, you know, for the others who take this game seriously as well, what does it mean for theirs? Um, the intangible metrics that will define a win, which is something that I feel like behavior have never wanted to define, is what is a win for Survivor? What is a win for Killer? Um, you know, that that is something that I feel like they actually have to literally define to make a matchmaking system work. Um uh, and will they actually define that publicly or would that be a hidden criteria uh, to try and prevent meta forming? I don't know. It's uh, it's quite interesting because it will essentially mean a shift in the way Dead by Daylight is played, I feel. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like I reached out to you directly when the announcement was made and that was exactly what you told me. You were like, you know, this is going to be great for the game. Really bad for me <laughs> because it's going to it's going to make the game even more competitive and even more crazy. Um, because again, of where you, you sit in your dedication to the craft of the game. Um, now I wonder if that, you know, you and I are different players completely, right? We probably play pretty similar amount a week. Like, I feel like if I play at like my, 
I've kind of played the game a little lax days ago. You know, I don't I don't usually slug. I don't usually make a big to do about trying to get a 4K. I don't play super competitive. So, but if I just play a lot, am I going to end up just by virtue of how many games I play? Am I going to end up in that like very very competitive tier of the game when it comes to the MMR? Like, I guess we we probably don't really know without knowing like how the MMR is calculated. Or do we? Do you have anything on that? Like, can you? Uh, can I you? Don't know. S- like. I'm looking at our Steam right real quickly, and I think you have like ten plus hours on me for this week, or maybe five plus hours. So, yeah, we we played pretty much the uh, uh, the exact same amount of it over a two week period. Right. Each other. And you um, and you stay and you stay in the in the upper red ranks, and I stay somewhere in the lower red ranks to upper purple ranks, like pretty much consistently. So I wonder how that's going to affect my matchmaking as I play. Yeah. Like, am I going to end up just by virtue of playing so many games? Am I going to end up? out of my like where i belong skill wise because of the amount of time i play like i mean there's no way for me to to answer in a a way that is explicitly correct um but you know if we're gonna basically create hypotheticals and go for educated guesses on this um the the new matchmaking system is going to use a queuing system called batch matchmaking um so currently the way matchmaking works in dead by daylight is you essentially join a queue um and your queue says i'm looking for like a rank one killer right um as a survivor and then uh the game can't find you a rank one killer so it starts expanding it to like rank two then rank three then rank four then rank five all the way down to rank eight um if you're like a rank one survivor for example and it it expands that criteria of rank and then it goes oh i can't find you a rank so i'm gonna check another server which is close to you to see if there's anyone in there and then eventually it'll find someone that meets that criteria um, whereas batch make making basically chucks a hundred people into a pool and goes quickly sort them into lobbies that make sense, you know, using an algorithm of matchmaking. So it should essentially make matchmaking quicker um, and make the games overall more fair. But there will be maybe one game that has a, a high rank versus low ranks, or you know, high ranks versus medium ranks, whatever it might be, as far as matchmaking is concerned. Um, and then in those games where you do have that disparity between maybe survivors and killers as far as matchmaking is concerned, then if the person who has the lower rating loses, they won't lose as much rating. Whereas if the person who had the higher rating loses, then they will lose a lot of rating and the others will gain a lot of rating. So the game is constantly trying to evaluate whether or not you should actually just lose this game. And if you should lose this game, then you don't really get punished as far as matchmaking rating is concerned you still lose pips because they're, they're going to keep the, the rank 20 to rank 1 system is almost a trophy system, but your hidden MMR number is constantly going to be fluctuating and it should be trying to adjust for how difficult the match should be for you. So if you win a difficult match, then you should get more points towards your matchmaking rating. If you lose a difficult match, then you don't really lose anything there. Right, um, yeah. No, so so I mean, yeah, it, it sounds theory, like... you shouldn't be punished for just playing a lot but if right. you're constantly doing well and improving and meeting that matchmaking rating system then maybe you continue climbing into Gross, harder yeah. matches. so just basically you tell me to play bad and then i won't have to worry as much okay well i mean uh, it, <laughs> if, you play, if you play well and then play versus better players and then start losing then you're just gonna 
going to go up and down essentially right 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 like, you just have to look at your casual league of legends player who gets stuck in gold you know they can play two years three but years, he's he's an elo hell though that's not the, that's not the same it's his teammates it's not him that's, that's crazy yeah. they're stuck in there that long it's insane to think about dude. but that's that's what's going to happen and and you know the good no, thing sorry, about hidden matchmaking is that we won't i assume it's going to be hidden is that we won't ever have that like issue of i'm stuck in dead by daylight elo hell right uh, but like people will eventually plateau at a, a rating where they don't really f go up or down much unless they really put significant improvement into the game well my hope is that and i, I will i will pivot into this and uh, i would like to hear dan's take on after this part but um my hope is that with the new matchmaker rating the the pip system the rank system becomes a lot more lax and maybe they maybe even there's not dpips anymore maybe even just like make it everybody starts at 20 and just climbs to one like you said as a trophy system as a way to show like hey i played a bunch um just because like i don't know i feel like a lot of people wouldn't feel as bad about a 2k or a 3k as a killer if it didn't tell them that the entity was disappointed in them after they were done right. you know because that just feels bad dude it's like dude i played like i feel like i played pretty decent I, I put in a lot of effort. I, I had fun, but I I let down the entity, man. Like I feel bad. Like, but if that didn't happen, I feel like a 2K or a 3K, especially like you could have a match where you killed two people. You could have okay, you're a killer. Let's say you're like your true MMR puts you somewhere like around rank 12. And the matchmaker, for whatever reason, throws you like three rank ones and a rank seven. And you like you play a really strong game against those guys. Right, and like two and two, two and two get out or whatever. You like you're, or even if all four get out, like you're not gonna. I, I lost, but what I'm getting at is like you could have a, a situation where you played really well, and like you ranked up with the MMR system. Like, damn, dude, this guy came in there against some like top end opponents. He got two kills. He got three kills. Hell yeah, dude, he just gained a, sh a ton of MMR. But you depipped though. Like you didn't, you didn't get all your emblems done right, so you depipped. Because you can deep it pretty pretty easily with three kills, right? Like if you don't play a certain way, or if you don't. I mean, you... the thing about the emblem status is it really just comes down to the killer you're playing. You might play an excellent plague game and get brutal killer or entity displeased because right. he doesn't get emblem status, but then you'll play legion, do the exact same thing, and get a, a merciless killer. Because exactly. Then fits the emblem system. Exactly. That's and I, I think that that was like I I'm really bad sometimes. I get like super excited and I say too much quickly but that's what i was getting at you could play really well against four players that are well out of your mmr range get two kills your mmr climbs you up like an entire like a big chunk of like wow you did really good we're gonna give you a tougher game next game you did so well you also lost one of your rank points though is yeah. the thing because you didn't you didn't play so what i'm hoping for genuinely and sincerely hoping for is that they loosen up since ranks really finally won't actually matter, they'll loosen up a little bit on that. Just because the psychological effect of Entity Displeased might create more desperation to play the game in a certain way or to like feel like you did bad when you actually did pretty good. Um, Dan, would you like to weigh in at all on any of this topic? Like You've kind of just been... Hanging out of there. I want the entity to say nice try, bud, every time, actually. Nice <laughs> try, bud. Nice well, try, bud. Actually... Yeah, actually, actually. So they're not gonna have ranks anymore. They're gonna have MMR, right? They're like, there's gonna be, is there gonna be like nothing in the corner of my screen? Like, no, there will be rank. They said there will be rank, but it will be more an indicator of how much you've played. It will have absolutely no bearing on your matchmaking or like your true so, skill level. 
You think they're going to change pips, or do you think they'll leave it pips, and then it'll just be like not a number, maybe a number? What do you? That's kind of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm thought. talking about. Like, what do you think? Like, do you, I think that personally, I think it would be healthier if they made ranking up easier, if if it doesn't ultimately matter. I think so. I mean, that would make sense, right? Like, I feel like that would make sense. I feel like if they could just be a little more, yeah, lenient on the whole, you pipped, you didn't pip thing. People wouldn't feel the need to try as hard. And do you think them? Hiding MMR is a way to say, hey, we think this game is competitive, but we don't want you to see your rank. We don't want you to be able to say, hey, I'm rank one, or hey, I'm this or that. But they still kind of care because they made it hidden. Like, it's weird. I think that, like, do you want to take this out? One one thing that um, I thought that was interesting, because I I was watching you earlier, Doug, um, playing with some dudes on on Dead by Daylight, and Dan was uh, also in the chat. Um, And Dan brought up this this, this subject of how the emblem system almost encourages bad killer behavior. You know, if you want to keep that rank one, then you better slug, buddy. 100%, yeah, 100%. So basically, like... Behavior have the opportunity here to, to essentially remove that pressure that visual pressure because that's the 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 blessing of hidden mmr is that there is no visual pressure no rank anxiety that goes with playing the game and it is to encourage people to to play for fun rather than to right play to to improve a number and i know you're like you're out there and you're out there in the esports world and you've actually mentioned fortnite and you've mentioned apex to this point um and those are perfect examples of games where your mmr is hidden and you go into the match and you have like for for instance Fortnite's the one that I have the more experience with because I have children and we play together and you've got your battle pass you've got your your battle pass level your level on the game right that's a visual indicator you could literally lose every single game and if you play enough it's going to that number's going to keep getting higher you're going to keep unlocking new cosmetics and stuff but you're you have a hidden matchmaker rating you have a hidden rating but like like you said, the, the ladder anxiety, the stress, the pressure, like kind of comes off. An individual match in that game is just an individual match in that game. You're just going to go play and hope oh, maybe I'll win. Maybe I'll lose. Either way. Um, I do think that it would be very wise for behavior to start treating Dead by Daylight similar in that your matchmaker rating is what's important. So make that hidden. Make that how they matchmake you, how they decide who you're going to play. But make the rank, please make the rank not as punishing. Like, don't make people need to play the way they need to play in order to pip in, like, the red ranks, right? Like, just make it a make it a counter. Make it something that you build up over time. Don't At, least, at the minimum, like, I would say just if they can't lose rank. If they just made it so you can't lose rank, that would be, like, a really good step in the right direction. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on board with that. I think uh, maybe cap it so, like, you can drop down. If you, like, hit rank 5, you can't drop down to rank 6, but you can can lose pips all the way down to to five with zero pips right and then maybe you keep the whole silly rank one no pip thing and you can go all the way down to two with no pips but like i don't know i think that there needs to there needs to be a way to fail in games i i think that there has to be to to encourage people to not want to fail but there's a fine line between having a failure point in a game where people are motivated to improve and giving people anxiety and making them feel bad about not meeting their criteria and this is the 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 exciting part maybe for some for behavior that they can really rework that entire image if they wish to and i hope that they do i think that's a really good way to roll into our next topic 
which is now that we're talking about MMRs, we're talking about more competitive gaming. DBD as an esport submitted without comment. Dowsy, DBD as an eport, e- eport, eport, an eport, an eport, a newport, a cigarette. Like I have, I cannot. Okay, you know, I know it's like four in the morning for you, five in the morning for you, but like nine o'clock at night is pretty late for me, man. I get up early, so cut me a break here. All right, talk to me about DBD as an esport. Right, so I guess for those who who don't know my background, I'm a esports shoutcaster. Um, with experience in League of Legends, CS:GO, PUBG, uh, mobile MOBA called Vainglory, you know, a, a handful of other esports titles, um, and you know, a, a, an avid consumer of esports as well. Um, and when I got into Dead by Daylight, it wasn't because of you know any competitive reasons. It was because uh, you know someone wanted to play the game with me, and I fell in love with the game. Um, and very quickly through streaming, I was introduced to the sweaty world of European try-hard players that play competitively. Um, and also met a lot of my friends who um, mostly are NA content creators who kind of think the idea of competitive dead by daylight is it doesn't work. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons that I can you know agree with them on that. But since... Playing Dead by Daylight, I've partaken in a handful of Dead by Daylight competitions. And I have to say, it's probably the most fun I've had playing the game because it allows me to actually take the game seriously at a level. Like when me and you, Running Man, are are streaming Killer, for example, uh, for, you know, eight hours a day, there's only a a certain amount of level you can take the game seriously. Um, And I know for me... Uh, it may look like I'm taking the game really seriously when I play the game, uh, but if I was to stream some of the scrims I play in these competitive levels, like it's a whole different uh, kettle of fish here for for DBD competitive. Yeah, um, yeah, I can imagine. I can't even honestly. So, I can't even imagine. That's the thing. Like, and again, I, I get to be a little bit as my as my role as a host of a podcast who brings on guests. I get to be a little bit flattering, but Jesus, dude, like if that's you not paying attention and not really caring that much, I'd be like very interested to watch what a scrim looked like. And uh, I think that's one of the things that like makes people excited about DVD esports is like, you look at some of these guys and I'm not going to name names because then I'll leave somebody out. But you look at some of the top people in DVD on Twitch and you think about how good they play and how impressive they are. And then you think about the fact that they're also streaming and managing a chat and there are literally no stakes. They're just playing the game. So like, imagine if some of those guys who were like top players were really applying themselves. People get excited about that. They're passionate about the game and they want to see it played at that level. And uh, so I want to say about DBD esports, and only because like I don't want to talk too much in this subject and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. But my take on DBD as an esport has always been it could work on a bigger scale, but for it to work on a bigger scale, the developers would have to get invested in it and directly involved in it and actually create a tournament mode that limited a lot of things within the game. Um, and again, I'll, I'll defer to your intelligence and defer to your experience on this. But my thought process was like a very limited amount of maps, a very limited amount of available perks, maybe even like a perk like auction system where like so many perks could be used. Um, it would require a small team of people to balance specifically for competitive and there would be a specific competitive mode. Um, do you agree or disagree with that? Either which way, I want to hear you talk more about your vision or your thoughts about competitive DVD. 
Yeah, so I played like in four different styles of tournaments in Dead by Daylight, which all have a unique rule set of what is and isn't allowed. Um, and the one that I've kind of fallen uh, in love with is a points-based system where a killer for the team is rewarded for points for every hook they get individually as well as killing a survivor. Um, and the survivors are rewarded for every generator they complete as well as escaping the trial. Um, and that point-based system there allows the uh, the killer of the team as well as the survivors of the team to generate a decent amount of individual points, which then allows you to have a clear winner after maybe a best-of-two series. Um, Alex, your previous guest, he has a, a proposal up on his Twitter, which is more of a best-of-five series, and you play essentially um, two maps each, uh, and then the fifth, if necessary, is a decider. Um, you know, there's there's always been the question of do you restrict killers? Do you restrict certain perks? Do you restrict certain play styles? Um, you know, an Italian tournament I played in recently was very restrictive on play styles. You know, the killer couldn't camp, the killer couldn't tunnel, uh, the survivors couldn't rush hooks, they couldn't like hook bomb. They had to, uh, if, and if they did, then the killer could tunnel because the survivor essentially allowed the killer to do so, and it just became very complex, and <laughs> almost unnecessary. It sounds like a nightmare. Like yeah. to, to, to officiate or spectate. Ugh. Yeah. So the ones I've enjoyed are the ones that are very freeing and they say, we won't limit your play style. If you're going to face camp, if you want to proxy at camp, a, a survivor, that's your prerogative. Um, and, you know, that is typically how a killer is going to get control versus, you know, a very coordinated form and swift. Uh, you know, some of these guys that play survivor competitively literally have names for everything on the map. Um, and they play with stretch resolution so that they can see everything on the map from their Wild, third person yeah. view and stuff. Like they, they take it very seriously. Um, so you do need, as a killer, to, to apply ridiculous amounts of pressure if you're going to, to take down this coordination level of survivor play. I mean, um, I understand. Yeah. I understand that kind of dedication to the game because, like, I one time uh, changed my perks because of the items that were in the pregame lobby. So I too, right. I too, <laughs> am an intellectual. <laughs> You know, Franklin's demise. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go uh, on, let's... I mean, I think I agree with you that I don't see DVD being an esport. Uh, in, in the traditional sense of League of Legends and, and, and CSGO on a stage in a stadium, I don't see DVD being that ever, really. Um, DVD is more comparable to, to Smash Brothers um, in the way that the community runs the tournaments, it's grassroots. Um, and there's definitely things that behavior could do that would make the entire system better. Um, you know, one thing that you mentioned, I think, was, you know, cutting down on some of the RNG elements. So maybe you would create map seeds um, and then you could essentially repeat the exact same layout of a wrecker's yard if you wanted to for two games in a row. And that would allow the teams to have an absolute fair playing field so that, you know, the exact same pallets will spawn in the exact same places. Um, and that would obviously, you know, reduce some of the RNG elements if you wanted to. Um, but I guess the real thing uh, is that I do think Dead by Daylight is an inherently competitive game when you want it to be. You can write rule sets and tournaments that make it uh, competitive. And, you know, as far as that is concerned, that makes it an esport. But is it the kind of thing that we're going to be flying to you know, uh, South Korea to, to watch a, a world championship in a, a stadium? Probably not. And from my experience in watching behavior interact with 
the that kind of element of the game is that's not their vision either and they're yeah. not really looking to support that either i feel like you yeah, that's the same way and this is kind of like the answer the canned answer i give on stream about it is like you know i don't i don't see not that i don't think that they're capable if they wanted to if they were passionate about esports i think that they would make it work they would make it happen but nothing in this game's run thus far tells me that they're interested in it being on that kind of a scale and like I said, for it to really be fair and competitive would require a tremendous amount of time and energy and resources. And we've seen other games in other other competitive esports that had a lot of financial backing, AAA financial backing, who have pulled out of esports because they just didn't want to spend the time, money, and resources. Like it's, it's a ridiculous just, investment. It is, yeah. and then and you you ask yourself what kind of a what kind of a return on that investment would they get outside of like making the game fun, making the game easily consumable for a massive amount of people and letting people, like you said, grassroots manage the esports side of the game. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, like I'm with you hundred percent. Like I don't, I don't see a reality where the developers really invest in esports. So esports in DVD is going to be a, for the people by the people kind of thing, which isn't inherently a bad thing. Like you said, no, you brought, I, I really like it. Like, and, I like the grassroots element of it. And the, the, you know, I, I shoutcasted a, a dbd tournament on friday doug um which was ran by a um roughly 17 year old kid from the uk who just wanted to put on a weekend tournament and he got eight teams to show up um and you know it ran really smoothly the rule set was good the tournament was good there was a clear winner at the end of it and you know i was like this is fun you know this is what i love as someone who who is involved in esports i love doing this kind of thing um so like i kind of get a little bit upset when i see people who are like dbd competitive you know yuck you know what i mean like this is uh this is the mario party of 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 uh asymmetric horror games um you know clearly it's meant to be a casual game you like the behavior wanted to have moments where no one scares your teammates and you know um these slightly stronger perks create these these you know oh fuck moments sorry if i can't swear but you know those 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 moments you're where, off the you podcast know, yeah off the podcast like that's what behavior they they focus on is creating these like these epic moments almost like tombstone myers for example is like the oh crap tombstone myers run don't get caught kind of thing as a survivor they, they're not interested in balance and making sure that Tombstone Myers is a balanced add-on. Yeah, right. No, they're they're interested in creating those uh, those those crazy stories that you're going to tell your friends, you know, after a game. For sure, for sure, for sure. I love the comparison you made for Super Smash Bros. I think that's actually like again, that's a very apt comparison when it comes to you know Super Smash Bros. didn't come out with like grand scale dream hack million dollar tournament. You know, dreams. It's just a fun party game. People getting together to play and have fun couch co-op style thing but like their community has grassroots that into like actually having like decent sized tournament scene um and that's i don't know that's a really awesome comparison i appreciate that dan did you have anything to add to the esports conversation you've been you've been hogging the stage man hogging the mic quite a lot today but i wouldn't mind giving you a little extra time if you got anything mm, now that you mention it Hmm. No, actually, no. I don't. I don't think I have anything. <laughs> I, think I, anything I think you then, said pretty much anything I would have liked to said. I feel like we played in a tournament together, didn't we? Dan? We actually so, like, did. What was yeah, I think you mentioned the that? rule set. Actually, a really complicated one. Yeah. What, yeah. What was we actually played it. Yeah. Can you share about that tournament? Because I, I think I heard you talk about that. You did it on stream, correct? Oh, 100 percent. And then I thought it was. 
it makes sense to have these tournaments, and if they really wanted to back it, they could. But like, is that what they actually want from their game? Do they actually want to have like dozens upon dozens, like hundreds of people trying to compete to win tournaments? Like, yo, can you I mean, can you walk us through like like what this? Because you played in the tournament, so which actually makes you an esports star now that I didn't know about. True. But I wasn't able to watch because I was live. But can you like walk me through like what the tournament was like, like what it felt like, what your thoughts Hidden on it? Talents, but it was it was an interesting way to showcase some skills. I mean, they had interesting rules set. I mean, I could see why people would be so passionate about it. I actually think that this new MMR system might gear more towards actual like encouraging competitive play because in theory, if you do end up getting like get just getting up so high up there in the MMR, then I feel like your games would take a really good, like a really long time. And you would go against other really good killers, other really good survivors. I feel like it might actually encourage more competitive play towards like each other. Dude, Dan, like this is going to sound insane, but that's actually really a smart thing. And that's really like, that really made me, what you just said now just made me think, dude, that's wild. Cause think about it. Like as of right now, a big complaint you have from the people that are try hard players that are like competitive players is like, what is rank? Rank one doesn't mean anything. My teammates are idiots, right? Like you Thanks. hear people complain about it all the time. Like I'm rank one. These guys are ranked 20s. Like, what is even happening right now? But if this MMR system really does, like, get people who are playing at that next level to all be playing together, then maybe there will be more competitive games. There will be more competitive players. And then because a clear competitive, like, scene will form. We know, like, if you play the game a lot, like, I play the game a lot, I run into a lot of the same players because of where I play, where my rank is, and what time I play of the day. I'm running into a lot of, like, also low red, high purple players. And I feel like if more and more people are actually getting shoved into really good top rank, high rank matches, then perhaps a natural competitive scene will form out of that. That's something interesting to think about. Are you a little bit concerned that if you are in that top, you know, maybe 5% of players that you will literally play the same killer four times in a row and literally play the same survivors four times in a row and then a stale meta occurs like that's that's my greatest fear i think of the mmr system is that that's going to happen um and like i don't mind sweating the game out in dvd but i would rather not <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm with you dude like it's fine like, once in a while but like game three or four in a row is when i switch to survivor you know like oh, right, exactly. it's too much yeah so like, I've I've got DVD comp practice for that running man. I don't right. Do that. Yeah, you're doing that. You're doing that off stream when you're like actually like interested in putting that kind of an effort in. So yeah. I, when I, when they first during the third anniversary stream when they first mentioned individual killer rankings, I think was what was actually. I love that idea. By the way, really love that idea. Um, I you know I, I I will abstain from. I don't know. I always keep a very open mind and like want to see what it looks I like. I don't first. like that idea. I'll say that much, but. But my my whole problem, my whole concern with that was the same thing you were just talking about, though, is like if there's individual killer rankings, if you're a red rank survivor, you're never going to see a clown, man. <laughs> like you're never going to see a uh, trapper. You're going to see that's a lot of the same killer over and over Freddy's, again. You're going to run Freddy, oh, Spirit, Billy, oh, like, every game. Like, I can't relate because like I, I will play every killer uh, at rank one all day yeah. long because yeah. I enjoy and, that variety. And but I know from playing Survivor, you just play Freddy. And yeah, Mario. because because the average player, Dowsy, doesn't play the game like you, doesn't see the yeah. game like you do. And the average player isn't going to be able to perform at the top ranks with a killer like the clown yeah. or the doctor or, you know, um, 
the Legion. Whereas, you know, basically, if you've got a pulse and you can read, you can get rank one as Freddy. It's like that's like a thing, like, and so like, what would happen if it was individual killer ranks? Is you'd just be playing the same three, four killers a lot, but which is also a big concern, I would think, of even with this MMR system, because then a lot of the people that are playing those top rank games, depending on how they rank, how the MMR system actually works, like, is it going to be killers that like Freddy who Freddy is like a two pit machine, right? Like we all play him. Like he's, he's two pips for days because of his play style. He slows the game down. He just, he does everything you need to do. He is the apex predator of the emblem system. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, is that what's going to happen? Are the red rank survivors just going to like the, the true talent or the MMR top MMR survivors just going to play against Freddy every game? Is it going to be dead by Freddy? Like that's a concern. So but we've actually worked we've actually worked our way from esports back to MMR. It's very interconnected. Yeah, which I guess makes it smart that we kept them together on this podcast. We're good at podcasts, you guys. 100%. Give, us, give ourselves a pat on the back for being good at podcasts. Hmm. Okay, so Dan, you've been all joking aside, you've been relatively quiet today. Um, but I think this next topic is going to be one you're going to look forward to talking about because you and I talk about this on a daily basis, but. Let's talk about VPNs in Dead by Daylight and what VPNs are doing to the game in a dedicated server environment. Dan? It's causing it for like, okay, so you get those... Cool, first, 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 Okay, not everybody knows what a VPN is. I'm going to tell you that. Like, I actually found out what a VPN was relatively recently. So for those guests and those people at home... We're like, hey, Dan, what's a VPN and why does it matter? Can you tell people like what a VPN is, how it works? Can you give us the inner workings of it technologically and then move on to discussing what it's going to do to DVD? So I will give I – will, I won't give you incredibly thick detail, but it's a, a virtual – it's called Virtual Private Network, a.k.a. VPN. What it allows you to do, it allows you to instead – like so I'm you know, NA. It allows me to change my region to like – oce or like australia and let me play on their servers instead and with right now i believe with the current dedicated servers i think they're overcompensating for a lag and when you use that vpn and you play on a different region as killer you're getting these really raunchy hits like right now you're you're probably getting like a little bit of delay right the little sometimes the hitboxes are just just a bit off or a little more than that when you use a vpn it's crazy how much like lag compensation is there like it's it's giving them like an extra foot or two of range they're just so what you're telling me what you're telling me what you're telling me is that this this virtual private network tricks dead by daylight into thinking that me as a guy in spanaway washington is actually in london england correct and and places me on a server with a bunch of people that are playing from london england and so i'm connecting now to this dedicated server and when the survivors in the lobby, they're seeing their ping to their server in London. It's choice, bro. It's, a, it's green. This is going to be a good-ass match, dude. Things are going to be great. They log into the they log into the game. I'm playing the Trapper. First chase. Pallet goes down. I swing. And they're getting hit as they're two steps past the pallet. Because my connection to the server in London has a substantial difference in ping. Like that's a that's a rough explanation, correct? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. Insane. And so and so the problem is you've got an entire community who's already like ready to pitchfork 
and torch behavior because the dedicated servers, like they're so upset about these dedicated servers. And then you've got people who are using these VPNs and they're playing on servers that were never designed for them to play on. Then the match quality is poor. Then the servers are being blamed for that. And, and, and that, like, to me is an issue. I play the game, again, like, you know, Dowsy Flex for me. We play this game a lot, the two of us, the three of us. Uh, we, we all stream it. We all play off stream. You, you know, Dowsy's playing competitive. Dan's playing, you know, a, a, a number of games with me off stream. Like, we're practicing, we're talking, we're doing. We do, we do our podcast prep in Survival Friends, so we, like, are doing two things at once, right? Um, True. I would say that. Dan and I, with 98% accuracy, can identify a private profile slash an overseas profile within the first two generators of the game. Would you say that's accurate, Dan? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, you can feel 100%. it. You can feel it. Yeah, you, can, you, know? you can feel it. Like, you'll, you'll take forever to get him off a hook. Or you, you, you just throw down the pallet, and for whatever reason, he just it, it, it takes, like, two to three seconds for him to stun, or he just takes a hit and it still hits you even though he got stunned it's so weird yeah it's nasty and it's unfortunate because again behavior is taking a bulk of the pressure taking a bulk of the the people that are just flipping out about these dedicated servers and i'm not saying the servers are perfect but when you've got a killer who's playing out of region it makes the server seem like the bad guy when really the issue is that that killer is in like chile or they're in london england or they're in oce and they're connecting to a server that's in Portland, Oregon. Right. I think that something's really like misunderstood by the general Dead by Daylight community. Like, let's say you're playing versus a huntress. The huntress throws a hatchet on her client. It takes you know sixty milliseconds for that hatchet toss to be communicated to the server, and then another sixty milliseconds for that hatchet toss to be communicated back to the survivor. And then on the the killer's server, the client. The hatchet hits the survivor's hitbox, and their client says, "I hit them," and it gets communicated to the server, which then gets communicated to the survivor, which then communicates back to the server, which then communicates back to the killer, and it creates this latency of time, and, and you know how long it takes for all this information to actually be communicated between essentially three parties, you know, the killer, the the server, and then the the survivor. And so, like a hatchet that doesn't necessarily look like it hit you on your survivor client guarantee on the killer's client it looked perfect because you know the killer's client to them they've aimed and you know they've they've communicated to the server that they hit so you can imagine if a killer doesn't have 60 ms they're playing from australia to uh you know west coast america that's probably 200 ms roughly maybe 250 to to get that uh so you know a full 2.5 seconds is that really <laughs> oh, um, that they communicate to the survivor survivor and the server to say i hit that survivor and then the server goes well okay i guess you did and then they communicate to that survivor that's how you get those really weird janky looking God. hits um and that's that's the problem that vpns have is that the vpn is tricking the server into believing that the killer is in where they say they are. So let's say the killer is in Sydney, Australia, and they're communicating to the server via VPN that I'm in California, you know, West Coast. Uh, so the server goes, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. We're going to give you lag comp uh, because, you know, clearly you're in California, America. Right. The weather's beautiful where you're at right now, for yeah. sure. <laughs> bit, of a, bit, of a, bit of a weird connection, but, you know, we're going to give you benefit of the doubt here. Uh, but in reality, that killer is so far away and that latency that they have to the server is causing 
the the server to then create these these weird looking hits on the survivor clients. Um, and, and like Dan mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, being in Europe, we don't really have that issue because if anyone wants to connect, there's like so many different random servers around Europe and you know Northern Africa as well for anyone to connect to. Uh, but every now and again, I'll like get someone who is in South Africa connecting to my London server because it's just the closest server that they had. And if I'm playing Huntress against them, they cannot stand it. It is effectively the same as them. You know, your guys playing versus a VPN killer is this poor guy in South Africa who gets connected to the London server to play versus my Huntress. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of an issue. Um, but we don't have, you know, China Chinese players or Korean players or Japanese players or Australian players who aren't content with their server or their player base connecting to North America um to to with their vpns or even europeans connecting to north america for vpn reasons um and if dan's correct that there's this lag comp like issue with the game then it kind of creates a really awkward position for behavior do they continue giving lag comp to innocent players who need it so that their gaming experience is good or do they have to remove it because people are exploiting the system yeah and that honestly like that's the tough question you have to ask and i'm almost like and again i'm not a survivor main and i don't make my 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 day-to-day you know living playing survivor primarily but i know that like if i did like this is a huge problem for me and i experience so much of it when i'm playing at night and um in the reality is this going to sound bad when i say the like high-speed internet is pretty widely available, pretty widely affordable. Like, I mean, lag comp, like, I don't know. I guess I'm ignorant to like, is lag comp necessary to keep the honorable player base happy to the point that it's worth like allowing these VPN scourges to like continue to take advantage of an ideal situation for them. Thoughts, Dan? I say, honestly, I'm going to have to say they'd remove it. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that'd be the better thing. It depends too, right? Like it's getting pretty bad, but it depends how many people start abusing it. I guess if it keeps getting worse and worse, they'll have to do something about it, right? Like if more and more people decide, yo, I'm, I'm just going to do this for easy 4Ks and easy games. Like what, what yeah. if the MMR system comes out and people really want their MMR really high? So instead they'll just change their regions, play killer. They'll get so high. Dazzy, like you, you're pretty, you're pretty on top of this. Like, was there, was, do you know? I guess would be my question. Like, was there lag comp for the old peer-to-peer system, or is that like something that's unique to dedicated servers? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I'm speculating a little bit here, Doug, uh, about lag comp because it's the only thing that really makes sense to me is that the server would, uh, would provide lag comp because, like, I we've seen clips on Twitter of a survivor bolting a pallet. And then literally three seconds later, getting hit. They've already ran a good 15 meters away from that pilot, but they're getting hit. And right. I can imagine that on the killer's client, that looked legit because of the the latency that that killer, who's, I assuming, VPNing onto that server, that that hit will look as uh, normal as any hit that any killer has ever done. Uh, but the server is then almost lag comping, I have to assume, the hit and then pulling the survivor back, basically going, that killer's got priority here, their client's more reliable, uh, because on the peer-to-peer connection, the killer was the host. So right, the killer had right, zero right, right. MS, 
and you connected to the killer's client. So whatever the killer's client said goes, goes. Um, and there were definitely times where I was unfortunate enough to connect to a uh, East Russian killer, which is quite far away from the UK, um, or even a, a West Coast killer, or even in the very unfortunate circumstances, a South Korean killer, because you know there was a period in 2019 um, where the matchmaking was so random that you could get connected with Japanese players whilst playing in the UK. Um, and they were playing with 400 MS and their games are always bad, but for whatever reason, they stuck with it. Even though they saw that big red flag of a ping in the lobby, they, they, they decided to play the game. Um, and so like, I've experienced that firsthand on a peer-to-peer -peer connection, but in a peer-to-peer -peer connection, the killer's the host. So it, it's whatever, you, you can't do anything about it. Um, on, on servers, there shouldn't be that like killer priority that almost feels like it's trying to keep the game like it was on peer-to-peer -peer, um, by giving the killer what it feels like lad comp um, to, to make it so that if their hit connects on their server, on their local client, then it tells everyone else's client that that's just the way it's going to be. Okay. So I guess the big takeaway is that you're speculating. We're not certain that lag comp is the issue. Um, but I think that we can all agree that like VPN is kind of, it's not good for the game for you to use a VPN and play. I mean, essentially like you're essentially exploiting, like you're, you're, you're the developers have region locked the game for a reason. They have their reasons, whether you agree with them, whether you think they're legitimate, the game is region locked for a reason. If you're using a VPN, you're basically cheating the system to circumvent the region lock. And I mean, I guess like I would hope that behavior would do whatever was in their power to make that not be as much of a thing. Because like I said, like this will be the last thing I'll say on the topic and we'll move on. But with 98% accuracy, I can predict if we're going to have a private profile or a profile that shows that they're outside of the continental US in a match. Like it's just so obvious. You can feel it. If you play this game 60, 80 hours a week, you can feel it. It's really funny that um, we decided to talk about this, Dan, uh, Doug, because today's sponsor of the video is NordVPN, uh, where you can, you know... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, Use code DOWSY. Use code DOWSY, dude. Like, oh, my that's God, that's funny, dude. All right, so um, we got a few fluff topics, but we're already coming up on time. Like, we're getting close to an hour, and I don't want to make this too, too long. So I think maybe we just roll into questions. Yeah, um, I think so. And I think that the good news is, well, the good news is that the questions that we're going to ask are, are mostly for Dowsy because people found out that a smart person was going to be on the podcast. So they're like, oh, we want to ask good questions. So, all right, first question for Dowsy. This is from Denby. And Denby says, hi, Dowsy. Hi. Hi, Denby. Oh, thank you. That was very impolite of you to wait so long to say hello. <laughs> Sorry, you... I, was, I, was, I was pulling up the script. The processing, yeah, yeah, processing. Yeah. What do you think about the map sizes? What do you think about the concept of getting smaller maps in the game in general? Yeah, I mean, so we've just had the, the Ruin rework um, because Behavior are claiming publicly that they can't really understand um, what a typical game speed looks like currently when so many people are using Hexruin to, to essentially prolong the game um, and it creates these inconsistent results. So hopefully over the next patch cycle, behavior gets some better, more concrete statistics of how fast a game goes. And from that, they might be able to go, well, 
a game on uh, Coal Tower, for example, is you know pretty pretty much where we want it to be. But a game on Mother's Dwelling, which is currently the largest map in the game, speeds pi by because the majority of the killer roster doesn't really have the mobility to to contest the the generators. So I think that's uh, that's something that if Behavior wants to cont- uh, to to try and extend game times um then a really good way of doing that is not to actually slow down the gen progress but to make it easier for the killers to contest the generators um and you do that by making the map sizes smaller i mean doug and um and dan here will remember good old pale rose and how oh. large of a map that was oh i miss and- it so much you know what i miss i miss spawning in on pale rose and heading for the furthest gen and it finishes before you get there like you yeah. literally could not make it there on foot yeah. <laughs> as the trapper before the first gen finished. For those who who didn't experience uh, Pale Rose, that map was, uh, I think Mother's Dwelling is like 180 square uh, tile meters or whatever the measurement system is in Dead by Daylight. 180, that's the largest. And Pale Rose was something like 270 <laughs> in comparison. Uh... So... But yeah, hey, there were um, some there were some hella good ruin spawns on that map, though, yeah, right. <laughs> I I have nightmares <laughs> still about that map. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah, and I mean, again, like yeah. you you mentioned, you mentioned Mother's Dwelling, uh, and purgation feels really big too. I used to have I I used to have a, a link that showed like the map sizes and the largest and smallest maps, and like it's like you can you don't even need to really look at the list like to know you can feel how tough it is to protect gens based on the map size. And so I'm not one of those guys that's out here saying like every map should be like shelter woods or, or the clown map, you know, the, like the, the smaller shelter woods is uh, uh, second, second largest map there running man. Do you really think it's that small? Is it seriously second largest? Yeah. Second largest. Is it just because it's yeah. so open that it feels so small or like what? It feels tiny. Yeah. Dude. So, so mother's dwelling has a lot of trees that block sign of sight, right? Um, rotten fields has corn. Um, and Shelter Woods is kind of a really open map. It obviously has trees and, and jungle gems, but uh, Shelter Woods is the same size as Rotten Fields, which is just slightly short, smaller than Mother's Dwelling. Now, Dan, I kind of feel like Dowsy just like ripped me pretty hard right there in front of everybody. Oh, and I know, right? But like, what? I would agree with you. Da- da- if, da- if, you could just, if you could just stop talking for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I agree with you. Dan and I need to sidebar for a second, okay? No. Shadow Woods <laughs> feels like a much easier map to control, doesn't it? Right, it does. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It Which I guess, I guess that really, like, proves, does that prove the point that maybe smaller maps aren't necessarily the, the, the issue is more, it's, it's this, the map design as a whole. Maybe, like, if you're going to keep there being so many obstacles or so many, like, line of sight blockers, maybe make the map a little smaller. And if you're going to have it be a bigger map, maybe not have so much. Like, does Purgation feel like it just has, like, stuff everywhere to you? Like... Yeah, it does. It, it does. And Purgation is uh, in the top three largest maps uh, up there with Disturbed Ward. Um, and I feel like Purgation feels like a worse map to play than Disturbed Ward because whilst Disturbed Ward has that middle god building where it just has every loop imaginable, everything else is kind of scattered and 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 dead zony. But so that building, but that building makes me want to uninstall the game, Dowsy. Is the thing. So like, really the building makes you want to uninstall the game. Back when I used to be really tryhard, I used to get so mad that people would run it. But now I get it. Like that building is just so safe. Like how can you not run it? Like if your goal is to stay alive. And it's so, like that's free. the thing. Do you do a do adjust buildings then? Like for I I said that the map I hate the most is Mount Ormond because it has sound issues, it has scratch mark issues, it has god loops. For you, Doug. It's ironworks of misery because of that god building. So like, uh, you could adjust these maps by just 
changing those main loops and the safety of them to to make the game feel a little bit more balanced i'm sure so like map size isn't the the be or end or answer but for some maps it is right i guess that's cool it's kind of a good like in a real intelligent mature way to look at it like yeah smaller maps is great cool but like i made a comment about and, and you know we, we established that shelter woods feels like an easy to control map while being one of the largest maps in the I would never as a as a casual, as a memer, as a fun game player, right? I never would have guessed that Shelter Woods was top five. You said top three or top five? Yeah, size it's, uh, second second largest. Yeah. That's insane. Five, like I would never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed that. Um, it's, it's empty though. There's like nothing there. It's just a bunch of birds, dude, in the shack. <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of birds. Basically Shelter Woods and Rodden Fields is the exact same map, but Rodden Fields has They're very different map. though. But they're, they're really? literally, like, if you actually look at layout, other than uh -huh. the shack being dead center for Rodham Fields um, and it being slightly off to the side on Shelter Woods, they are quite literally the same map as far as loops are concerned. That's wild, um, dude. And uh, it's just full of corn, which makes Rodham Fields the, the safest survivor map as far as behavior statistics are concerned. That's wild, too. It's so weird the way that works, too. Like, you know, we get, it, we get these, like, just by playing, you get... It's why you have to be careful about making your determinations about the game based on your sole experiences alone. Rotten Fields doesn't feel that bad to me. Like, I don't think, I don't get Rotten Fields and go like, uh, like I don't. But if I get Ironworks or I get Crotus, the original Crotus, or I get, uh, is somebody laughing? Is something funny? Yeah, I'm laughing. <laughs> could you please, could you care to, you care to expand on that? What? God, the iron dude. I just want to like stream slap you as a hidden, like a, just a, a hidden person, and just play Ironworks on you. I feel. Like. I would I literally. That, I would literally be so sad, dude. Like that map just makes me sad. Like I. No matter what loop we be at, I just run over there. Just dude. go like, straight to that window, dude. Like yeah, I don't DC. You guys know if you watch the channel, if you watch the stream, you know I DC like maybe twice a year. And I feel like 85% of my DCs were on Ironworks because they're just like, I can't handle it anymore. You cockroaches, get away from that window. <laughs> to the wall, I have to go fast to the wall. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So it's just, it's just funny. Like, and, and, I, and I illustrated this, and this will be a topic for another podcast. But it's very funny the tricks our minds play on us because of our personal experiences. Mm. And if I gun to my head, I would have said that Shelter Woods is one of the, like, the three smallest maps in the game. I just found out that's the second biggest. So that kind of stuff just blows your mind because you have an experience, you have a series of experiences, and you just get yourself into this like mindset. And I think that that happens a lot to people on both sides. But next I question. Think the most, oh, go ahead. You like the most, most surprising map that I think is what? Like, what? What's your thoughts of Branson Abattoir as a map, Doug and Dan? It's a very fancy name. It does, but like size, loop, safety, that kind of. Dan, stuff. you go ahead. Am I going ahead on it? Yeah, yeah. If you're playing Survivor on Rancid Abattoir, like, well, how how do you feel your odds are? I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, like, do you think you're gonna escape every time? Do you think you're gonna get caught? Mm. Abattoir is the one. Like, it's a hard answer to the answer because, like, I don't try to escape in general. And right, I, right. I feel like most of the time, if I was trying to escape, there's very few maps that I have a problem with. Abattoir, Abattoir is the one that spawns the random, like, impossible window, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the really long indoor, yeah. like, stable window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Abattoir, like, again, I feel like Abattoir for me comes down to whether that window spawns or not, whether I feel like I have a good chance to win or not. Abattoir is, like, the fourth smallest map in the game. 
and that map for me always feels like it's it's a challenge because the safety of the loops yeah. is is really strong. Um, and it always shocks me because like if I was to to rate Rancid Abattoirs like a difficult killer map or an easy killer map, I'd probably put it closer to the difficulty uh, level. But it's it's fourth smallest map, so as far as killer pressure is concerned, you should actually be able to apply it. That's so wild. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. And that's. Yeah. Like I said, though, like your individual experiences, like they just make you feel things like in that window being so safe. And when people realize how to use it, I mean, I feel like that map can be like impossible depending on yeah, who's running it and how it spawns. If it faces center map, you're, you're almost destroyed. If exactly. It, you know, to the wall, then it's far easier to, to control. Yeah. Oh. All right. So next question. Uh, it says question for Dowsy. What are your thoughts on the proper grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> now, this this uh, is a if you didn't know, this is a, a channel meme between myself and Dan. Dan is convinced that if you toast two pieces of bread in a toaster yeah. and then put cheese yeah. in between it, that counts as a grilled cheese sandwich. If you yeah, side yeah. with me, I'll love you forever. I feel like I, I saw this tweet. I, I I remember Dan tweeting this, and I responded back, "Live your best life, Dan." There you <laughs> go. You did. There you go. So Dowsy, so Dowsy's a humanitarian about the subject. <laughs> I was like, you live your best life, Dan. I mean, I don't really partake. I, I have a, a, a an innate phobia of, of grilled cheese sandwiches because of <laughs> a, a stupid eight-year-old kid. Whilst making a, a grilled cheese sandwich, I decided to pull the grill out with my hand, and I still have a scar on my pinky from when I did that. I just realized I laughed at that before I realized that the story was probably going to be tragic. Like I started laughing and then I started like the it's late and the, and the, and the, and the numbers started connecting my brain. I'm like, wait, this is going to be a tragic story. And you yeah, just started laughing. Like, and it, innate phobia as a kid. And running where it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think um, if, if you put cheese on a, a piece of bread and you melt the cheese and the bread's toasted, and then you eat it and it is ingested that i don't really care what you call it okay <laughs> like I'm, so you're saying it I'm would be a grilled cheese for the record if dan for the record. like that I, I guess it depends i'll need to look like i've i've not tested it i've not tested it i'm an analytical guy i'll need to to look and see if you toast two pieces of bread and put cheese in the middle does it Tastes the same as if you grill cheese on. I respect that about you. I respect that you're not just going to answer this thing from the hip. I feel like it's a hard maybe. I feel like it's leaning in my favor. I think. I don't think he said no, Dan, which is probably better than you get most often when you I propose things. Almost, so. Yes, I feel like, dude. All <laughs> winning. All right. Well, I will tell you that, and this is the last we'll talk about grilled cheese. But I have recently changed my opinion, and I say yes, Dan. You are allowed to call that a grilled cheese, and I won't even argue with you. So yes, you've won. Uh, and then she said, I'm kidding. Please don't start a fight. Uh, the question is actually for all of you. What do you consider your win condition? I know for some people it's getting out alive at all costs, whether it's point base, whether it's four kills. What do you consider your win condition, Dan? My win condition is getting in a good chase with the killer. If I can get to a two to three gen chase, I'm like, yeah, that, that's a one game. Because like, I don't know, doing gens is the objective. But like, there's this weird part of me that just... I don't like doing gens. Like I just don't. Yeah, want super to do abnormal. Like, everybody, everybody in the community loves holding that M one. You're totally unique I, in the I, fact I, that you don't want to do generators. That's weird. Weird. I know, dude. I'm different, huh? Question mark. Yeah, definitely. So you're saying a, a, a good long chase is your win yeah, condition? 
good long chase, dude. Just done. I, I had a good game. Or, you know, if I get face cams, I guess as well. I mean, also a good game because it's also they're spending time to do that with me i guess you know Spre- say that, having that special little moment it's like when it's like it's like when you call relationship oh, yeah it's like when you call your grandma like you took that time out of your day to spend with grandma what a lovely boy grandma hag grandma hag indeed okay so now killer what is your killer win condition dan my kill, honestly, I want to say it's not 4K because I don't want to be that guy, but I definitely do enjoy 4Ks. I try not to, but a 3K is good enough for me. I'll say so you that. don't want to be that guy, but you ultimately are that guy, and it's a 4K. Yeah, just I, just I, say I, it, yeah. just say it, dude. That's yeah. fine. 3K is okay, guys. 4K, I, I, I nailed it, I killed it. 3K, that's pretty good. 2K, well, I went even. 1K, I just in my mind, entity displeased. <laughs> <laughs> so i will say that i'm very basic in and i've always been this way um and i don't know if it's just the way my brain is wired but the pip system to me is the win is a win like a win is a pip a safety pip is like a draw and a d pip is a loss and if i die and i pip i won and if i escape and i d pip i i lost as survivor and vice versa if i 3k and i d pip it feels like a loss to me if i 4k and i d pip it feels like a loss to me if I 1K or 2K and I pip, I feel like a win. Like, it's just like there's something psychological about brutal killer, ruthless killer, merciless killer, and entity displeased. Like, something in my brain tells me that was your win or your loss. Like, I don't know. It's just, I guess I'm weird like that. Um, and so, again, like, it used to be a lot easier for me to win, and I missed that. But, um, and I've gotten over it to a certain extent as I've been streaming. I stream a lot of hours and I play a lot of games. Like, I get a lot of safety pips and a lot of D pips. Um, and I don't like that doesn't bother me as much anymore, but it still will always feel like I didn't really win, if that makes sense. So uh Dowsy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean I would be with you there, uh, Doug, on the the pip system. Uh if it wasn't for the fact that if I play plague to a really good level, I can still very easily 4K and entity displeased um just due to her kit and the emblem system. So I can't like get behind the emblem system as it stands um as a killer i basically make it my objective to stop the survivors from escaping by the exit gates by powering the generators so that's quite long-winded but it's essentially my way of saying i would love to 4k you but i'm not going to slug you for hatch i'm not going to slug the you know last two guys so that i can secure that 4k i'm going to kill that third guy if you get hatch and you escape then well done if i close the hatch and then you get out of that exit gate then well done as long as I've stopped you from opening the exit gates via powering the fifth generator, then I feel like I've won as a killer. Very respectable. Um, Very respectable. And for Survivor, I literally make it up each game. So if I want to play Dwight, it's how many head-ons can I get? If I want to run a flashlight, it's how many flashlight saves can I get? If I'm running a gen rush build, it's how many great skill checks I can hit. No, not (laughs) You monster! Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, like, I, I literally just make it up. I, I play Survivor. I, if I want to sw- uh, to to sweat a Survivor game, then it'll be escaping. But more often than not, when I play Survivor, I, I run wacky builds. Like, we'll break out a Metal of Man. So my win condition is getting Metal of Man. You know what I mean? Wacky oh. builds? Whoa! What's he doing? What is that perk? Whoa! Yeah. So, That's awesome, dude. Uh, my Survivor win condition is is very up for debate uh it's game to game based right which means which is kind of inherent in the fact that you take killer more seriously because it's like your primary role i would guess Mm. because that's how i feel about it too like 
I could not possibly care about getting tunneled out and losing a survivor, like, because I'm a killer player. So, like, I can get frustrated about killer, but I have a very hard time being frustrated at survivor. Unless I'm, like, frustrated about something else. Like, yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I mean, I look at the pip system, and for me, the way I play the game, because I'm a gen jockey that, you know, also likes to make borrowed time saves, I uh, I pip pretty regularly at survivor. My play style just, like, my play style really does, like, encourage pipping, which is why I'm the running Dan Grand Slam pipping champion. You guys were unaware. Um, and that's just play style based. It has nothing to do with me being, you know, more talented than Dan. Don't think that I'm saying uh, that. Asterisk. Uh, asterisk. If you can't say the word asterisk, I don't care. I mean, it's fine. Asterisk. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you can't say the word asterisk, I don't know if it's a burn. I just did. Asterisk. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's that. Moving on, the last question. Uh, Chewy the First asks... Would you guys like to see the DC timer implemented on the live servers? Dowsy, let's let you take this one first. Uh, would you care to explain to me what the DC timer is? Basically, it was the, the penalty for DCing. They, they Remember they did a test oh, run sorry, of the DC, DC penalty? Right. Yeah, did I not? It's it's 6 a.m. and I read that as DS. And I'm like, isn't oh, there a no. DS timer in the game? No. What are your thoughts on... DC. Yeah, I, I don't feel like talking about DS ever again. But... Um, <laughs> It might end up coming up again in the future, but for right now, no, the DC timer. What are your thoughts yeah, on the DC timer? I, I, I think that I hate to see games ruined for survivors because one player decided to DC at the start of the game. Uh, but equally, when they did have the DC timer implemented, that player, instead of DCing, just you know tried to unhook themselves through time and die on their first hook. So it's doesn't really feel like it's a very effective way of preventing survivor games being ruined which is what the ultimate goal is is you know prevent DCing so survivor games are taken a little bit more seriously and you know the three people who are left to clean up the mess of the one guy who wants to quit don't have to do so so yeah I mean I think DC timers are fine if someone's going to rage quit punish them um but now are you having to punish people for dying on their first hook as well like yeah it, yeah. it gets a bit messy I, I think i don't i don't mind them introducing dc punishments but we, we i think we all know in this 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 conversation that people will just die on their first hook instead it just comes down to six and one half dozen and the other right like okay so i can't dc i'll find a different way to get out of this game like i'm gonna get out of this game if i want out of this game um, and then outside of like slugging somebody down like an animal, <laughs> you can't force them not to die, right? Yeah, um, that was a bit rough. Like, so I, I think there's ways that you can prevent like the DC punishment from mattering. Like, I, I think it's literally in the first two minutes of a game, if someone DCs, then they're really ruining it for everyone. But outside of that, if someone DCs, chances are they didn't ruin the game for you. Uh, you've had a lot of opportunity to get gens done at that point. Um, and so if a killer does decide that they're going to slug all four people and <laughs> let them sit there for four minutes, then, you know, allow people to DC unpunished because, you know, at that stage, uh, the game isn't being implicated by a DC. So, like, you can definitely have a cutoff point for DC's uh, punishments, you know, whether it be like three and a half minutes or something, where after that point, the DC is less impactful than if someone just DCs immediately. Yeah, so I used to roll my eyes at this, and now I've kind of been like converted to this frame of mind. But I really think that the the devs would be better suited to look at the reason why people are DCing. Now I know that there will always be that guy who 
takes a pallet hit he didn't like against the trapper with five gens up in DCs. Like, that's just going to happen once in a while. And I promise you, the dude that, like, DCs, rage DCs with five gens up against one of the weaker killers in the game was going to do it whether there was going to be a penalty or not. They're just throwing a tantrum at that point. Um, now, a four-man DCing against their 15th ghost face of the night or a four-man DCing against Forever Freddy, that's a more, like, that's a more, what's the word, like, predictable DC scenario. And so I think that, like, rather than focusing on some super finishal punishment for people leaving the game early, they should look at the reasons why people are DCing. And I would tell you that the number one reason, the number one guaranteed method to get multiple DCs in a match was to play old pair beat spirit. Mm. That was yep. a guaranteed two, two DCs minimum, mostly four DCs. And so instead of implementing a DC penalty, they changed the mechanic that was like literally unfun and impossible to play against. Yep. Uh, I think that they should probably continue to shade more on that side rather than looking at ways to punish people for not wanting to stay in a game because Let's be honest here. We've talked about this pretty much at length. Um, the killer has a whole lot more tools to make survivors' lives miserable than survivors have to make the killers miserable. Like a killer, a survivor squad needs to be good at the game and highly organized in order to really beat up on a killer, right? But a killer is like a, a couple of add-ons and an offering away from making the game really miserable for somebody. Yeah, that's so. always been my like almost code of honor when playing killer was that if I wanted to. Ebony Mori, Ultra Add-ons, Strong Killer, and I literally ruined four people's game, every game, for the, the rest of my, my DVD life. Uh, I can I have the most impact on the survivors than than any one teammate could could have impact on as far as fun is concerned. And obviously, I'm not saying that killer is the power role. I think in a, a solo queue like scenario, they are kinda, but I've played enough DVD comp and had my ass handed to me by <laughs> by survivors that are that are fully coordinated um to know that the, the survivor role is very strong absolutely in the right yeah in the right conditions right yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. but but the, the the times that that actually is is seen in, in the wild is every game i play dowsy every game <laughs> every game it's the it's survivors it's not me it's every game no yeah so Too many exploits out there perks Ooh. being used crush Oof. perks Oof. damn dude gross yeah, so man. so basically where I'm at with it is like look at the reasons why people are DCing. The fringe cases should never be what they balance the whole game around. Um I think some sort of more collective DC, like if you DC if you're DCing in like a certain percentage of your matches, then start punishing maybe rather than just like your first DC is a minute, then three minutes and five. Like I don't know. I don't I don't know if I like the the idea of harshly punishing early DCs. Um and that's just kind of where I'm at. Dan, do you have any... I know you play a lot of Survivor, so this will be going for you. I feel like I wouldn't want a DC penalty in place because, like you said, you can just you can just uh, try to unhook three times, die on first hook. And I think it promotes, like, scummy gameplay on the killer's end. Or it doesn't promote it, but if a killer did want to ruin your day, he could leave you slugged on the ground for five minutes and he you could just bleed you out and you wouldn't be able to DC, wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Because you do get those occasional killers or rare killers that just want to ruin your day, that want to play Forever Freddy. They want to slug you down to the ground and they want to wait until you bleed out. And I feel like it would give them a little more power than they need. If someone DCs in your game, I feel like you should either play it out and just DC too. I mean, I, th I think it's fine. I think I, th I honestly don't think we need a DC penalty right now. 
Okay. Yeah, I'd say like the last thing I would say is that I feel like DCs minimally impact my ability to enjoy the game. Although if I was concerned with pipping, DCs are do make it very difficult to pip in the red ranks for me in my playstyle. As a killer and survivor, any DC makes me immediately not want to play the game. Right. Like, it's easy too, play. honestly. Like I and, and sometimes I'll do that depending on how early it is. If a survivor DCs for my game, and depending on what mood I'm in, I will DC as well because like it's just not worth me playing it at that stage. Um, I, I'm going to play it to win it so that I can get out of it as quickly as possible, which is going to make the the three remaining survivors annoyed because I didn't you know give them uh 20 chances to to try and get all five gens done. Um, so yeah, you know. It's oh, I'm the same way. When I play killer, somebody. If somebody DCs early, I'm trying to end that game literally as quickly as possible because it's no longer a game of DVD anymore. I'm just trying to get out. And yeah. like, if you think I'm going to stop at farm, like maybe if I wasn't creating content, I would want to do that. But even that, it's just boring. And like, I don't, especially if I wasn't creating content, like I have a limited amount of time to play. So that's not the Depending video. Depending on how the survivors play it, I'll attempt to let them black pip by giving them, you know, max unhooks on each other and make sure they're safe so that they're getting Uh see you're you're way nicer than i am you're way nicer than i am i'm just like get out of my game (laughs) that's literally all i'm going for you You blame it on blame it on xxx69 lord who dc'd with his first down against the legion okay it's not my fault so yeah exactly all right well that's our questions that's our subjects um we had some fluff subjects but like i expected we're up to an hour and a half now because this is a good conversation with good folks um I want to give this opportunity for Dowsy to plug himself a little bit. I think I've done a, a decent job plugging you, but I think you could do better. So go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself, what you do, where they can find your content, where they can find you. Um, take it away. The floor is yours. I appreciate that. So uh, right now I'm streaming on Twitch, mostly Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sundays, uh, around afternoon European time. Uh, at Dalcy TV on Twitch, and we do educational killer gameplay. Uh, I attempt to play every killer once per stream, but if you guys want to request a killer because you want to see it, then we have ways that you can do that as well. Uh, outside of my Twitch, uh, also at youtube.com forward slash Dalcy TV is my Dead by Daylight channel where I upload about three videos a week, and some of those are going to be really good gameplays where I, I had a really good educational commentary, others going to be guides and tutorials, and others going to be uh, almost monologue conversations like this one where I just talk about a topic and, and, and break it down and, you know, uh, try and, and try and do that. And also we've started doing gameplay reviews, which is a lot of fun. So uh, literally taking someone's gameplay who submitted it to me, breaking it down and trying to find those little areas that you may have missed in your own killer gameplay that you can improve. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing at the moment and uh, loving it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like, again, I cannot recommend dowsy enough he's been a mentor to me um in content been a mentor to me in gameplay uh like i said if you're if you're a beginner player if you're an advanced player if you watch dowsy i I guarantee you're going to pick something up you're going to learn something you're going to think about something you didn't think about before um i will have links to dowsy's twitch as well as his youtube in the description of the video if you guys are interested in asking us a question um, into the fog podcast at gmail.com is the email address you can reach myself and Dan. If you have a question for Dowsy and you want to send it to our email, I am in regular contact with the man. I can get his question to you. I can get that question answered for you. Um, I guarantee you we will be asking Dowsy to come back. I think if you guys have listened to the entirety of this podcast, you realize that he's got a lot of good thoughts in that massive brain of his. 
Um, and his voice is like butter. It's like actual butter on an Eggo waffle. And you know when the waffle gets like just soggy enough, but like it's still got a little crunch to it? Like that would be how I would describe Dowsy's voice. Dan, would you like to comment on that? or? I feel like it's his voice is kind of like cheese and a grilled cheese i feel like <laughs> Fuck, why <laughs> and we're back to the grilled cheese <laughs> so no that was a podcast i had a really good time i enjoyed the conversation dowsy thanks again for taking time out of your literal night slash morning to be here um your dedication highly worth it i really enjoyed it thanks for having me on awesome absolutely so again um we've been running man we've been dan in the hurry we've been dowsy tv we've been talking about dead by daylight and we will see you Next week. Do you guys want to say goodbye? Bye. Bye. Nailed it. <laughs>